Welcome to Base Space. A crypto podcast. Base Space. All right, guys. Keep I think let's jump into it because I'm excited to just dig into more about Digital, um, learn more about you guys. Um, so to get started, my name is Mewtwo. I'm the founder and host of the Base Space, uh, joined by my two co-hosts, Chase and Super. Yo. What's up, y'all? How's it going, guys? Welcome to Base Space. Yeah, we're, we're pumped to have you guys on. Um, since you guys haven't been on the space before, we, we normally like to do like introductions. Um, maybe we'll go around and just talk about like how you guys got into crypto is, is usually like a cool way to to start. Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll start with um, Unfed. Sure. Yeah. So um, I guess how I got into crypto, it's been a couple years now. Um, used to be a, a, a YouTuber, actually used to make gaming videos. So I've been in the digital space for some time, uh, got into digital marketing and then very quickly saw the world of crypto start blooming um, and industries blooming out of that. Um, so Last couple of years, been uh, doing this, been running a digital marketing accelerator that works with Web 3.0 projects. Um, and one of those happens to be Diggable. And so I came in very, very early, um, been working closely with the co-founders and with the team and have became a core member of the team as well. Um, and it's been a great journey so far. So I guess that's a very quick spiel of how I got into the space. So it is Diggable, not Digible, correct? So actually, well, diggable, digital, however, we'll roll with whatever goes more viral, I guess. But we got a lot of people saying both. So cool. I just don't want to throw any disrespect, but oh, yeah, no worries. No worries. No worries. I guess uh, Serge can go next or Dan. Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, my name is Serge. I'm one of the co-founders of Diggable. Got into crypto around 2016. Since around 2000, I've been on the trading space from traditional finance have been slowly leaving that onto crypto became full crypto in 2016 um been working on and following different uh technologies how they evolve and the whole thought on our process was where's the use case where's the use case and uh sometime early last year as the hobby industry was exploding a lot of folks that I knew who were in the collectible business, including, for example, Steve Aoki and other folks on our team came together and said, look, this tech uh, that exists on the blockchain can solve a lot of problems for the collectible market, specifically dealing with physical items. And with DeFi and ability to easily transact, um, collectibles can, be, can become traded similar to stocks. So using kind of our financial experience and collectible world experience and blockchain experience, we all came together and launched Digital. So that's kind of our story. Dan? What's going on, guys? Uh, so I'm similar to Serge. I, I got into crypto in around 2016. Um, I have a, uh, so software engineering background for probably the last 10 years. So the technology is kind of what really interested me. Blockchain, um, was kind of something that I just connected with. So basically since 2016, I've, I've been a, a telegram admin for a bunch of different places, poked my head in, poked my head out, um, got, got wind of, of this project and it really intrigued me. Uh, joined their 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 Telegram admin team and kind of just worked my way up the ranks and really helping them get their tech going when it comes to uh, our, our platform and what we're bringing to the public right now. Um, so that's that's kind of what my role is right now. Yeah, thank you, thank you guys for doing those intros. Uh, really, really cool background. I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, who, who came up with the like initial concept and idea and like said, Hey, like we should move like full forward with, uh, with digital. It's hard to say it was an evolving concept. It, be it began with the idea of breaks and uh, breaking things on the blockchain, which is what we're going to be doing now, for example, then it came down to, okay, if we're breaking things down the blockchain, how do we know if it's authentic or not? 
you can age a lot of people. So it evolved over time. It's hard to say who came up with it. It was more of an evolutionary process of radiation. And we just got there. And we just said, look, we're going to have a, a true place for collectors of all kinds. We're going to draw collectors in through exciting products, which was at that time, uh, one of uh, our initial co-founders on the technology side, Dan, said, let's go with Pokemon because, you know, as a child, he's collected them. So did a lot of other people on our team. So said, you know what, we go Pokemon. And then once we made that choice, it became clear that we have to build out, we built out. Kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah, I've, I've done a bunch of card breaks and uh, kind of been involved before in like the sports card uh, collecting scene. So it's kind of cool to see like the physical world and, and the digital world merging together in a sense. So um, I think it's a really, really, really cool concept. Um, I guess for like those those people in the audience that don't even know like what Digible is and like could someone give like a brief descri description at like a very high level? Um, you know what the project is all about and then uh we have like a we've a bunch of questions just about like the products and so forth who so, um someone wants to take that i'll take that so we're collectors of metaverse uh which is community driven which means that you know not only do we uh promote and take folks from our community that every time that something's transacted on diggable which is buying and selling of nfts which are physically backed by trading cards, like sports cards and Pokemon cards, the community receives 50% of the uh, transactions of the platform itself. This way, as the community grows, we intend to move towards the DAO, uh, or, you know, governance of this organization so that it becomes a premier place of physically backed NFTs, regular NFTs too. So as a user of the platform, you can come in, mint, your Pokemon cards apply to be a DigiSafe with us so you can store them so folks know that you're an authorized seller, that these cards are insured. Uh, you can buy them. You can set royalties as the initial minter. We're running across chain. So it's an NFT platform like most others, except it has component of the physical backed security, uh, sorry, physically backed um, trading card NFTs or, you know, statues, for example. So we have an Aoki statue, and a couple of them minted up there. So that is the overall place. It will also contain um, gaming components and traditional NFTs. So we're going to be dropping some of the DigiCubes. They'll be used for certain things. We have various kinds of key NFTs that give access to, to drops, where we give out you know kind of cards, uh, Pokemon cards, sports cards, and drop them to holders of those NFTs. Um, now we've just released our DigiWax uh, protocol, which will be open source for anyone to use. That's the one that connects to Chainlink to create uh, digital packs that you can unbreak this way, kind of removing the trust aspect of breakers um, to make sure it's fair. So that's a pretty exciting um, information for us. Link is a great place for providing off-chain data and we've been early investors into link as well personally much of us on our team we exactly understand the purpose of oracle how important it is and for us it's very very important so that is our general landscape that sounds really interesting so uh you mentioned chain link obviously using the vrf function i would assume yes okay and then um, I had a question just kind of to start it off. How are you guys going to ins uh, ensure the safety of the physical cards? Because you said you'd ship them in and then you'd store them. Yes, there's two ways, um, two types of physical storage. One is DigiSafe custody, where we have authorized DigiSafe and folks can apply to be a DigiSafe themselves. They have to have their own insurance over what they're storing and they receive part of the platform revenues for doing so. So in that case, as DigiSafe, they're usually other hobby businesses or, you know, even mom and pop shops. But the key there is having insurance so that in case of something does happen to the item, uh, the insurance can cover the cost. The second option is, um, you know, self-custody. So if somebody like me wants to just mint the card to have in my house, just like eBay, I can do the same thing. 
except on our platform, it'll indicate whether or not the item stored at Digisafe or it's stored, you know, seller custody. Okay, I see. And where would you, um, because I'm, I've never really done trading cards or anything like that. Where would you go and buy insurance for that? Uh, there's insurance providers that cover collectibles like art, uh, any kind of physical things, jewelry. They also cover collectible items, such as trading cards, etc. So it's just a separate policy type for you know specialized assets. And there's two ways of doing it. Um, we don't require one, whichever one uh, the users pick. One is kind of called an umbrella coverage, which is we don't specify, don't itemize the actual cards themselves. You say, well, this whole lot is worth two million bucks, and if there's any loss in there, that whole umbrella covers the full policy. The other option you can enumerate the things you insure. So that's usually for very high-end collectors. Um, will they insure each individual card because its own card has its own, you know, value? For example, like a Michael Jordan rookie card, things like that. Okay, I see. And then just like the, the the last question I guess I have on the whole custody side of it is, so say someone wants their physical card back, is it just as easy as you guys, you know, shipping it back or the requirements that the customer has to fill out? Yes, I have a request to request shipping. At any given point, you can redeem the NFT for the physical item. So as NFT trades, the last person says, hey, I want this card on my, you know, my mantle, they'll hit a button, they'll have to fill out the shipping information and pay for shipping. And then whichever DigiSafe is storing them sends it out. And uh, just to add to that, oh yeah, sorry. I was just gonna add to that quickly. Once that's done, we'll take the NFT, we'll burn it and then ship the cards, right? So the NFT can't be sold after, it can't be used after. Um, so it's just a safe way to ensure that once, you know, the card is in someone's hands, um, you know, we're not um, using cards that aren't backed by anything. That's, uh, I want to add that. But to add yeah. on top of that, the user, as the user obtains their card, it is possible for them to also go and now turn that into an NFT on their own if they like. Yep. Which has a, which has an added benefit because then they would be able to add royalties to that NFT and et cetera, et cetera. Gotcha. Um, I, I don't know if I missed it, but is there a requirement? I know you said uh, from an insurance perspective, um, they'll have to hold insurance, but is there a kind of physical security requirement to be to operate at DigiSafe. Um, and then also flip side of that, is there any sort of kind of um, economic incentive to kind of become a DigiSafe similar to like, you know, being like a, a, a staker or delegator within a protocol? Like will there be some sort of tokenomics built in um, within that model? Yes, absolutely. So uh, DigiSafe's, the requirements are insurance is a primary requirement, and then they have to fill out a questionnaire. Um, it's on our website, I think, at the government seller, where we ask them a couple of questions. Then our KYC team um, usually talks to them, interviews them a little bit to figure out you know, what's going on, what's the setup looks like. And then based on that, it's like a holistic approach of approval. So it really has to make sense. Now, as far as the advantage of being a DigiSafe, the economics are very simple. 10% of every sale of the item, a resale, that while it sits at the DigiSafe, uh, the DigiSafe receives that payment. So part of the transaction fee, which is 10% of buy and sell on Digital, 10% goes to, <clears throat> sorry, half of it first goes to the community for stakers. And then from that half, 10% goes to the um, did you save? Is there, is there like a check-in process? Like, um, a scenario that I'm thinking of is like, Hey, someone says they have insurance. They purchase the insurance, show it to you. But then like the next day they cancel that insurance. How are you guys making sure that they're upholding, um, the insurance or continuing to pay for the policy? Um, this is done usually on an annual uh, basis. We currently approved three DigiSafes, um, and the three DigiSafes we approved are, you know, we know these people very, very well. For example, one of them is Steve Zayoki's own safe. So from that perspective, we always keep tabs on what's happening. As we get more and more uh, DigiSafes registered on board, 
we have a yearly kind of review process of inventory and other items that we deal with dealers. So with that, that's going to be the part of the checking it out. Got it. And like, I have the same question around like cards, right? Like I ship a card to a safe. How do I know that like my card is actually in that safe, right? Because I've been part of the trading card game and people, there's definitely some shady uh, players in that, in that space. Um, so that would be like my biggest concern. Hey, I'm sh- sh- shipping this $100,000 card to the safe. How do I know it's like actually there and someone hasn't just gone and sold it? Uh, good question. The answer is, well, what we're trying to do is make everything as transparent as possible. Um, in case of expensive cards that you're selling first, what you can do is you can just apply to be an authorized seller. That way you're keeping the card um, on hand and once it sells, then you ship it. Whether And then the user can decide whether they want to get their card mailed to them or to a digital safe. Um, but that creates an opposite risk for the buyer because now he needs to trust not the DigiSafe, but you know an authorized seller, or for example, not an authorized seller, or even just somebody who just minted it, right, like eBay. So this trust issue, we're trying to solve through the decentralized DigiSafe that are keeping them storing them and forcing them to have insurance, um, and not have a single point of failure such as us. <laughs> so that's that's the trade-off that we're facing. Got it, and like. If you think about like eBay, right? Like when you're on eBay, they have like the rating system for different sellers. Are you guys thinking about incorporating some sort of rating system or some sort of social score? Yes, not only that is uh, we're trying to foster, you know, a community uh, that can, you know, communicate with them about cards directly in Discord and Telegram. So it's not only, you know, uh, arms away as eBay does it. For example, for eBay, you can't directly contact the seller or the buyer directly. You always have to use eBay because they have to make sure to take the 10% or whatever. On our end, we, we do the opposite. So we'd like for everybody to come in. I think part of our GUI development plan, new releases, is going to have a chat function within the actual conversation. Um, that way we also can link kind of the history of all, every single card, where it comes from. That's the beauty of blockchain, of tracking it. Uh, and on our end, even if... For example, buyer and seller agree to transfer NFT or the card itself outside of you know Diggable's payment platform. That's fine. You know we don't have to capture every single revenue that exists out there. So, from that perspective, there is not only a score that we'll be putting up in general, but a more uh, informative marketplace where people know where things are coming from. Got it. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I noticed one of your other projects was was DigiGrade. Could you could you talk to us about that? Yes, DigiGrading. So the, is about taking the card, authenticating it, and then uh, grading it. So we have two different options. Option number one is we're, we'll be offering kind of a buffet list of grading services such as PSA, Beckett, CGC, etc where using kind of our um, volume to get these things graded faster and also minted onto the blockchain, authenticated, etc. What we've released already is our internal grading service. It's only for Pokemon. We have a resident uh, master grader that's very, very good on the Pokemon side. Our charges are very, very low relative to the PSA, for example, is just to get the card minted and um, put on the blockchain. For now, it's been uh, in closed kind of friends and family slash beta test mode. So we're processing over a thousand uh, cards at the moment for grading. And those will be graded by us. They'll be placed in special kind of laminated uh, protective pouches, labeled. Um, they look pretty cool. I think one of the graded cards is going to be dropped in our upcoming drop. There's been, uh, I think, tweeted or pictures what it looks like it's pretty cool very inexpensive and ability to kind of get the card authenticated and onto the blockchain versus an you know an unauthenticated card unfed i saw you had your head up and then or hand up and then i'm gonna jump in right behind you no honestly i go for it go for it 
So I just had like a, a quick question off the top of my head. So, and this is not an accusatory way. This is just, uh, you know, to get some basic information. So what assurances do people have that customers uh, card won't get replaced with a fake one shipping back? Like, I know you had mentioned the pouches, but um, let, let's say they shipped in a Charizard, right? And that's obviously a, a sought after card. Well, who's not to say, and I'm not, like I said, I'm not accusing. Who's not to say that you guys wouldn't replace it and then send back like a, a replica of, of that Charizard and keep the other one? There's nothing built in. And I don't know even how to uh, protect it. just based on trust, I guess. Uh, but I'll tell you that as soon as, you know, one person gets a fake card back, um, that's going to destroy the reputation. The reputation of this whole thing is what it's all about. So... Um, that's all I got for you. Yeah, no worries. And like I said, that wasn't supposed to be like an accusatory question at all. I was just, no, just asking the question. Yeah, that's part of, you know, yep. Also, to add to that quickly, at the end of the day, if someone does lose the real version of the card, then I guess there's a two-way insurance policy that might also cover it. And if the user is also insured on that front, um, but yeah, that's just to add to that. But it is something that we're looking into seeing how we can um, verify that in the future. Well, that's actually correct because uh, we were looking at a different situation, not the grading one. I mean, you just raised something we haven't thought of. What we thought of before is what happens if a decentralized safe uh, that's holding the card, you know, sends a fake card, right, to the, you know, ships it. So that's outside of our control. And the more safes we have, obviously, those increases. For bad actors. So in that case, that will be thought through is having the insurance and the insurance has to cover it's a lost card. It's the wrong thing. So that part is covered. I guess for grading, it's the same thing. Uh, we ourselves are insured. So the insurance would theoretically apply to us doing the same thing as well, I'm guessing. And at the same time as well, we, we've got legal documents or legal agreements with these digi safes, right? So if anything were to happen, they'd be essentially removing their ability to sell on the platform and it could involve them being in legal trouble at the same time. So I guess that's not to say that, you know, if someone really wants to make a quick 50,000 on a really rare Charizard, but at the same time, it could involve uh, legal implications if they want to do that. Yeah, perfect. I, yeah, that's what I was just asking. Um, and kind of like, a, I guess a second part to that question is, what why why wouldn't customers just ship it off to PSA themselves? Um, is there like a few steps that because like I said, yeah. I've never shipped cards, I've never dealt with absolutely. PSA. Yeah, I'll answer that question. Um, so right now, if you want to ship a card to PSA, first of all, it costs one hundred fifty dollars per card to grade, um, and it could take up to 12, 12 to eighteen months if you're sending a batch of cards. You can pay for express grading at this point in time. Uh, it'll cost you more money. Um, and that's only for one card at a time. So if you're trying to do like a, a larger collection, um, it's going to take, you know, it could take up to a couple of years to get all those cards graded. Um, and I know people, I've personally sent cards myself that have been in backlog. It's been almost a year now. I still haven't received my cards. Um, and I know a lot of other people who are, are dealing with the same thing. I see Chase uh, just put the laughing emoji. Um, but yeah, so it's a serious you know, problem with the card market. And there's a lot of friction that we think, you know, bringing this to blockchain is going to, um, change and at the same time people who want to invest in cards um, you know let's say like you got people like logan paul and you got people like other people other card enthusiasts let's say that are pushing cards um, that want to invest in the space but they're scared to buy a card on ebay because you know they're not sure if the seller's legit um, whereas they can just buy a physically backed version um, and store crypto cards essentially on their wallet without having to worry about shipping them or storing them and it's a safer way to let's say invest in in trading cards without having to uh, deal with the friction and whatnot. So if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm just <clears throat> blown away by the, the backlog to get a PSA um, grade on your cards. It's just uh, it's insane that's a year. I'm actually curious uh, about your guys' Digifarm. Um, <clears throat> I see on the website that you guys are going to offer staking. Um, looks like you guys are on Matic for that. Um, can you guys kind of dig into that and talk about your USDT farm that I think you guys are going to have? Well, we're not going to have a USDT farm. Um, we had a little bit of farming uh, earlier on. 
we're purely staking currently. Uh, right now, it's an 8% uh, APY on daily compounding on Matic. We're releasing very soon new staking um, options with a little bit higher interest rate, also half of the platform revenues, uh, but on both Matic and Ethereum, and those will have a lockup. So for the little higher in guaranteed interest rate, we'll have a higher uh, lockup periods, and that will come out probably early next year. Are there uh, any plans to explore um, other protocols like uh, Avalanche or you know Phantom, um, anything like that? Uh Yes, absolutely. So right now we're we're fully cross chain. So we're on Ethereum, we're on Matic, we're on Phantom already. We did a drop of one of our um, keys on Halloween onto the Phantom network. We're connected to them. We're also connected to Binance Smart Chain. We'll have things being dropped on there as well. Uh, the Kronos chain is also coming very very shortly, and uh, we've also partnered with another uh, project called Scotty Beam. They're cross. Uh, they're an NFT solution to bridge one NFT to another chain, like teleport, you know, beam me up, Scotty, kind of a thing. So uh, we're going to be adding additional chains like Solano as well. They require a little bit more programming effort on the development side because they don't use the same language as Ethereum, but they're very close. And uh, for sure, we're we're collectors, so we are also collecting blockchains. <laughs> And there's a BSC as well. Just quickly add Binance Smart Chain is another one we're looking at. Nice. And so, what like what would be the benefits of um, like a user buying Digi and staking it? Um, can you guys kind of just like touch on like the to the general overall tokenomics, how the token will be kind of used within the ecosystem, and uh, why someone would kind of benefit for for buying it and then staking it? I'll take that one. Yeah. So there, let's start before we get to the staking piece of it, just the utility of the token itself. The token itself is used you know, within the metaverse to do all kinds of things. Primarily on the marketplace, you have to hold 3,000 digi on each network, each blockchain uh, that you're going to be minting or selling on. So if you want to mint on Ethereum and pay Ethereum gas prices you know, for minting, uh, that's usually for higher valued cards. Then you have to have 3,000 ERC-20 digis. Um, if you want to start minting and selling on the Matic network with, you know, very, very, very almost zero fees, um, then you can do that on the Matic, but then you have to hold 3,000 digis on the Matic to do that. Um, for digi-grading um, that we're charging on our own end, not the one that we're sending it to PSA or CGC, but we're doing it in-house, uh, that's only available through digi-tokens. 10% of those tokens get burned. Um, as we release additional components um, into the game, more of a gaming part of it, Digi is going to be used a lot there. Uh, DigiWax product, you know, so that if you're a breaker, for example, and you'd like to uh, now break things on a blockchain so people are no longer have to trust you of being fair in terms of you know uh, shuffling the cards, anyone can come in and use the Digi Wax platform uh, protocol that also required Digi uh, to be used. And for the stakers, um, as I said before, the platform revenue, 50% of it goes into the stake and rewards pool. And that gets distributed to the stakers accordingly. So the better the platform does, the more rewards stakers get. And we're initially you know, guaranteeing a minimum, uh, a minimum payout in, back in Digi. So, for this to be a sustainable business, there has to be volume because we can't be just a farm that keeps paying percentage and just hoping that more people keep coming in. That's not kind of what we're doing. So as a staker, the economics are guaranteed interest rate plus um, percentage of the revenue of the platform. Gotcha. Okay. And are there are there any plans to... Um, like maybe subsidize artists for collections in the future. Um, like I remember we've, we've had some, some guests on the, the base space that have kind of created their own NFT collections, but don't necessarily like have a home platform per se. Um, is there anything kind of like in the roadmap to, to pursue something of that, that nature? Absolutely. And 
and we're working kind of on you know, behind the scenes. There's a lot of different um, uh, directions and angles as we're expanding. So, for example, there's besides trading cards, all the other types of collectible components. So we have dealers of uh, comic books and other things, rare books, statues, even paintings. And then we also have digital artists that also want to come out. So as we're launching everything, we will be coordinating kind of our efforts in terms of how do we bring things on. We obviously you know, are big fans of cool things. So when there are really talented artists, uh, we'd be happy to put on a platform, use whatever we can to help promote their uh, art and their pieces. And uh, as long as they have a collectible element to it, then we're very, very happy about it. Gotcha. And just so I'm understanding it correctly, like, let's say, um, you know, I have some sort of like rare collectible, uh, let's just say like, it's like a watch of some sort, right? Um, I would, I would have to hold, um, oh, let's just say I have like a, a suite of kind of rare collectibles, right? I like collecting rare, uh, rare items. And if I went to digitalize those and create those as NFT forms, I would need 3000, um, digi tokens to kind of be in that position to be a, a, you know, kind of like the mentor meme, I guess, if you will, for uh, digital. Is that, am I following that correctly? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no. Go for it, Serge. Yeah, what you can do is this. Um, if you're, let's say, a traditional guy, not Web3, but you do have the collectibles and, and you want to list them on, you can use the Web2 component, kind of upload the pictures or everything, but not physically actually mint them. And then when the buyer comes in, they get to choose whether they want to get it shipped already, just very, very old-fashioned way, or they'll become a minter uh, and then sell it on the on the blockchain piece of it. So to get onto the chain, you need to have 3,000 digi. If you want to stay in the web too, you don't. I just want to capitalize on that real quick. Um, and then I'm going to actually, unfortunately, go. But just And I appreciate everything you guys have done for us. This has been awesome. Um, but real quick, so our website, we're actually going through a good upgrade and what Serge just, which Serge just touched on is a web 2.0 component. And what that's going to do is that's going to try and bring more of a, a Facebook, Instagram feel. So somebody could log in via email and password, not necessarily have to have a MetaMask wallet that it's going to, our thought process is to integrate them into our platform as a user and then eventually get them onto our blockchain and, and learn the actual space of crypto. Um, so that that's kind of where our site vision is going in, at this moment in time. And that upgrade should be coming within within the beginning of the year. Again, thank you very much. Um, hope to hear from you guys soon. Yeah, thanks for, thanks yeah, for coming thanks on. For Dan. Peace out, Dan. Um, I actually, to add on what Dan was saying, um, if you, if you, as you know, like on OpenSea, people can connect their credit card and buy any NFT they want uh, using, you know, KYC and, and regular like standard forms of payment. Um, and the goal is to, you know, make Digable no different from that, um, allowing someone to come on, buy digital, physically backed Pokemon cards, um, attaching it to an email if they want to. Um, the more legit we can make this, right? And and as you know, like there's a lot, there's a huge, huge card community. And not everyone is necessarily super integrated with crypto and understands the space. And so until, you know, crypto becomes a really worldwide thing where everyone knows what it is, then it'll be our way of getting um, people from that community without having to necessarily be um, a crypto fanatic or a crypto user in that sense. So it's a way of grabbing new users and we think it's going to be a good synergy. Yeah, I love that, man. I, I love the... The ability to like introduce people to crypto um and i think that that definitely widens the audience and like like you said like the collector space is is huge and i know that there's like a lot of um you know older older folks in the space uh, that might not be the most tech savvy when it comes to the crypto and they might not even know uh anything about like what an nft is so this could be like a really cool way uh, to just like start introducing them to crypto, start introducing them to like the concept of NFTs and and make them familiar with that. So that's that's awesome, man. I applaud you guys for doing that. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, man. So, um, like, if you sell something on the platform, um, I, I know we had talked about sort of the tokenomics and and when did you need it, but um, are you paid out 
in uh, the DigiToken or are you receiving some sort of uh, USDC or stablecoin, something like that? Uh, you actually select whichever uh, token you'd like to list it on. Uh, that's how the contract is written, but primarily the sales are in either USDT or USDC. Unstable, but they can be in Ether, they can be in our own token. So, for example, some things that we'll be doing promotionally will be they'll be only designated in Jitoka, for example. But um, it supports everything, but most folks like uh, the dollar, the crypto dollar. And also, like some people, um, if, if since we're selling collectibles, um, some people will be weary about, you know, asking for Ethereum, right? Obviously, it depends. But if someone's like, you know, wants their card to stay the same value, then they're going to list it in USDT, for example. Um, whereas other things, it could be just Ethereum, right? If they want to keep it in Ethereum. But yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Thank you. Yeah, we also we also saw on your site that you guys have this uh, feature called DigiDuel. Are you able to to kind of touch on like what what that is? Yeah, I could take your search. You can go for it. You can start, and I'll add to it. No, no, go, 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 go. I'll add later. Sure. Yeah. So uh, DigiDuel. Um. So actually, that's being renamed to DigiGames really soon. Um. And uh, essentially, we're going to be creating a variety of different play to earn games. Um. That will utilize. Um physically back trading cards um, and, uh, you know, being, basically allowing you to use what you have, either cards that are stored in the DigiSafe or, or even um, digitally backed or physically backed cards um, and allow you to, you know, basically use those and use your Digi and um, gain from that, right? Um, and another thing is that when, when these cards are, are stored and physically backed and represented with NFTs, um, even third-party game developers can come on top and build uh, games for physically backed items. So if there's different card games, right, um, that, you know, a different developer wants to build, then they could utilize, you know, the technology that we're building and, and the securitization of it um, and build games on top of it. So there's many, you know, P2E or play to earn opportunities that will come down the line and for third party developers to come in um, and build on top of our physically backed items. And I know you mentioned Chainlink VRF earlier. Is this where you're going to integrate Chainlink VRF as well? Just so, so say someone puts up their NFT, another person puts up their NFT, almost like a coin flip. Is it a, a pure 50-50? For that duel, yes. That would be a 50-50 duel. Um, the way it would actually work is you put up two cards, kind of an energy card with a real card, same thing to the other person, and then uh, the winner gets the real, the the loser, so to say, gets the uh, digital energy. Um, and mechanics of this we can't discuss yet. It's kind of still under, you know, development and release on our end. But uh, for everything that requires kind of dice rolling and a lot of these games, a lot of the collectibles are based off of games, right? Pokemon is a game. Magic the Gathering is a game. There's things you can do with it. Um, so for any dice rolls, any... Random functions, Chainlink is our, you know, default preferred provider for uh, randomization. Absolutely. And and that's to say, like, for example, if someone wants, has their own card game that they're launching themselves um, and they want to make it digital, right? Um, you know, you can literally do a Pokemon duel or do a, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh duel or other, you know, third-party um, kind of dueling systems um, and, and utilize the cards that you have in your own wallet and do something with them, right? So... Um, allowing people to, I guess, duel with their physical cards from across the world. I guess that's really the vision that we're trying to push forward. Super, did you have any other question around that? Yeah, that dual that dual feature. Yeah, so I see that there's um, like a one percent fee from all the duels, and it says 0.7 percent goes towards the staking pool, and 0.3 percent is burned. Is there going to be a um, a hard cap on the amount of digi made? Because if yes. so, that, that could be pretty beneficial with the burn function over time. Yes, it's a fixed supply of 100 million, and that's it. So the thinking is, as we grow, then uh, the burn is going to really help out, not only on the dual side, but also on the grading side. That's, where, that's another place where we burn. And uh, the seller requirements will become progressively more expensive to be a verified seller on the platform. Because the, the digital token will still probably remain the same for uh, 
the 3,000 as we talked about before. So from that perspective, it's kind of like a tax medallion that goes up in value because more, you know, it goes up in value and there's limited supply of them. Sweet. Mito, did you want to talk about the next section? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely want to talk to you guys about like a lot of the future development that you have cooking in the books. Um, one of the things that we know is, is on, the, on your roadmap is, is Steve Aoki and, and his partnership. Could you guys t talk to us about like what you're doing with Steve? For sure. So Steve is uh, a part owner of Digable, and he, besides being, you know, uh, a musical uh, performer, he's also a big time collector of things, including sports cards and Pokemon cards. He has a pretty large collection, and he's very involved in the card space. So, out of his kind of personal and his company has a, it's called Aoki's uh, Card House. So his organizational. Um, inventory that's going into different drops and auctions onto Digable as well. So that way, for you know, high-profile items from his collections, they'll be featured on Digable. You know, there'll be events and auctions around the drops and things like that. Yeah, that's really cool. It's probably going to be a huge way to you know get some publicity out of it and. Uh... Build build brand awareness. So that's that's super exciting, man. Like, congrats on the on the partnership. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Yeah, that's dope. Because I, I remember when Steve uh, got his punk, and that blew up as well. Like spaces where everyone was talking about it. So yeah, that, that could definitely be a huge catalyst uh, for you guys. Mm -hmm. I know I know you also mentioned like the DAO, and I was just kind of curious around like how you like even if you don't have the plans fleshed out like what is your like what are you guys thinking about the DAO? like uh do you have any ideas and concepts around like how that will work within digital well, the DAO will have more to do with the direction of usability in the metaverse itself so uh it'll also govern kind of the policies and the questions that were raised before such as insurance and you know making sure everything runs smoothly Perhaps we have to find different, you know, physical operators to do certain physical things uh, because this project is not pure crypto. It has a very, very serious global component to it. But then it's also about kind of, you know, what the experience is going to look like for collectors. It should be community driven. What kind of games should be played? Um, how, you know, collecting would work as far as sets. I would like to collect that kind of a set, this kind of a set, different achievements for collecting certain things. Um, as well, and this being you know fun enterprise, it pretty much needs to have consensus from the collectors community saying, "Hey, this is cool. We'd like to do that." So that's the plan. Plus, um, it's the blockchain is also about not monopolizing anything; it's the total opposite, democratizing things. So, from perspective of financial operations, and the more the digital universe kind of expands, the more different revenue streams it will start finding and the DAO should be the one starting to decide, you know, what percentage of what you go where versus kind of our own uh, educated guesses at best. Yeah, very, very, very cool. Um, and I'm assuming like for the DAO, like you'll have to be like a, a token holder or have like, will you, do you guys have any concepts around um, how, how people will actually be able to vote? Yes, there will be, uh, and this is kind of very, very preliminary. Um, things are very, very subtle to change, but the thinking is there's going to be a separate DAO token that will handle the governance. The initial uh, token holders will get airdropped, um, you know, some, some prorated amount of the DAO token. And I think those at stake would get more, but all of that is still very, very, you know, undecided at this point. Yeah, it's cool. I, I like the concept of doing like an airdrop for it. I think that that's, that could be uh, a really good way to distribute the token. Um, I know you guys had also talked, touched on like the whole digi games and, and the play to earn features. I was kind of curious, like, are you guys planning to release your own games as well? Or are you just kind of sticking with being, um, I guess, like the platform that the games are, you know, built on? Absolutely. Um, Serge, you can add to this after, but uh, I just want to chime in quickly. Um, obviously, we're going to be launching our, our own games. And 
um, allowing for you know, other third-party game developers to come in and make their own games as well and connect with, I guess, the Digi protocol. Um, and then as time moves on, of course, we plan on, you know, doing more and more games with the stuff that we can do. Um, and yeah, Serge, you can add. No, you got it. But yes, we have our own plans for games as well. Yeah, it's dope. I love that. Um, um, to add quickly to that as well, might as well capitalize. Um, obviously, there's a, there's um, the the different metaverses that are blowing up right now, like the Central Land and, and Sandbox and a few others as well. Um, there's going to be an opportunity to have games that are built inside different metaverses, right? So imagine you can go into, let's say, Decentraland, or you can go into a, um, a virtual card shop on, uh, on the Sandbox or something like that um, and be able to duel against other people or go into an open space with other people and duel or, or use your cards so, you know, you'll be able to use your physical items um, in a digital world. And that's, I think it's another powerful thing, you know, allowing people to use their um, physical, physically backed Pokemon cards, for example, uh, and duel with some someone in the metaverse. Um, that's another powerful component. And we're obviously looking at different um, metaverses that are exploding right now. Um, and we think that's, you know, a very possible future for where um, this, this space is going. Yeah, that's that's sick. I could definitely see like I'm in I'm in the metaverse. I, I I'm touring through like a card shop or something along those lines, and you know it's linked with digital. Maybe you guys have some sort of like I don't know 3D logo that shows that it's linked, or or you guys have like a verified list list on your website, something like that. But there you um, go. Yeah, just being able to like browse in the metaverse, right? Um, and being able to interact with the protocol, like that's that's a pretty cool concept. Indeed. Chase, I saw you. I saw you on mute. No, nah, no worries. I'm I'm having a little connections issues. Um, so oh, no worries. Just want to make sure you were heard. If you had something, um, yeah. We, I I also saw that you guys are planning to launch like a mobile app. I was wondering if you could like touch on uh like what 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 your plans are for the mobile app obviously if it's not nothing uh official it's it's totally fine so that would be um obviously nothing official it's coming later on but uh from what we have right now um it'd be no different from what you can access already on your mobile phone right going on the website um and this would be you know as we add more utility on the gaming side of things and when web 2.0 comes in as well when we're bringing in users that aren't necessarily crypto users um, and a lot of people talk about, you know, we'll know when blockchain takes over, when we see like Karen's using blockchain without them knowing they're using blockchain. Um, and so when there's a lot of, yeah, exactly. When there's a lot of um, users that will be coming in from the Web2 side, um, it'll only make sense for us to have a mobile app so that people can access things quicker and easier and whatnot. Um, so it shouldn't be, you know, already our website is very mobile friendly. And if you go on it right now on your mobile device, you'll see like, uh, you know, it, it's pretty well optimized. And so the, the app should be no different. And obviously there might be some custom features on there when it comes out, but that's what we have in mind right now. Yeah, yeah, that's, that'd be dope. Um, I guess like, are there any like part up and coming like partnerships that you guys um, want to highlight? I don't know if there's anything, um, any partnerships well, we, that, that you guys have in the works. And We usually don't announce like we're like a pretty much a company policy of not announcing any partnerships until they're set in stone. Everybody's on board. The current one is a chain link one. Uh, it's not a partnership integration. Um, we're very excited about that. And uh, mentioned earlier, Scotty Beam. So we'll do some more announcements around Scotty Beam uh, for being able to teleport NFTs from one chain to another. And uh, yeah, obviously there's the elephant in the room, right? Steve Oki has been mentioned. Um, there's, you know, we can't speak on what exactly we're doing and when we're doing it, but there will be involvement as well and partnerships on that front. And, um, you know, we plan to work with other celebrity card enthusiasts and doing exclusive drops with them as well in the future. Um, obviously, we'll announce that when, when things are solidified. Yeah, it's dope. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I love Steve's music. Before, even before he got into all the NFT stuff. I'm curious, more of like a kind of like strategy question for you guys. Like, what do you, what do you guys think um, some of the biggest challenges are 
and kind of like entering and breaking into the space. Because uh, it's kind of like this like weird thing of where you guys are almost kind of competing with Web 2, but you're also kind of competing in the Web 3 world. Um, just curious, like if you guys have like any like top challenges that you think are pretty important to overcome. Well, that's right. It's bridging the real world with the with the crypto world, and that's what we also set out to do. So, for a lot of people, everything is very very new. Most folks don't understand what NFTs are. They think it's just images, um, and not the kind of the full breadth of the technology that you can do things with. Um, it's uh, the challenges also in terms of authentication, physical, getting things from one place to another. So we're trying to maximize on that, how to you know simplify all these processes. But uh, it's also noise. So NFTs are making a lot of noise in general. Uh, the market is noisy, is getting our out of, about who we are, what we do, and why we're different. Um, that's kind of a big challenge as well. Yeah. Um, last question for, from me is where do you, where do you guys see like digital, I guess in like the next like two to three years, like, or do you guys see yourselves as like the premier, like, um, like at bridge between NFTs and like the physical cards or what's kind of your longer term vision for, for the brand and, and the protocol itself? Yeah. So this is the premier place for collectibles. So people that like collectibles of all kinds, that's where they go. That's where they go to look for prices. That's where they'll go for look for different people's collections. So for example, if you want to check out the Yoki's collection, click on his collection of physical stuff. You can like click on another person or a dealer, for example, as well. Um, ability to kind of uh, discuss things with others, as I mentioned before, more importantly, collectible uh functionality so you can have your own um sets that you're collecting you know i've collected every single pikachu in the distance for example so those kinds of things and being able to go on there look at other people's sets trade nfts with each other so one big thing we haven't really talked about is the nft exchange component that's going to be built in where um you can exchange one NFT with another and you can add you know usdt to it as well like through an offering system so It'll be the place mainly for people around the world to come in and be fully involved in the collectibles market. And from the trading perspective and the marketplace perspective, it's uh, going to look like as a premier stock market, except instead of stocks, it'll be cards. And, you know, maybe you don't have to buy one Michael Jordan card. Maybe instead you'll buy 10,000, you know, Pikachu's. So uh, there's, because there's a lot of low value cards and uh, automatic gas fees are so inexpensive, you'll be able to start trading in very low value, but still valued things, right? So that will be the main place. Uh, furthermore, all will be on the blockchain. So if people later on want to come in and see kind of the history of an item, whether it's authentic or not, if it's been traded in the blockchain, they'll look at the Gable. And uh, to add to that as well, um, there's a lot of people that are going to want to showcase their collection. Um, and for example, today, let's say, you know, you got there's some kid at school or there's someone that, you know, in real life and they're telling you about their collection, but they have no way of showing it to you because obviously who wants to carry around hundred thousand dollars worth of Pokemon cards. So our future vision for Diggable as well is a premier place to just a, a hold your, your collection and B, be able to showcase it. Right. We want to be kind of. We want to add this social aspect to the platform where, you know, someone can can show their, their collection without having to carry it around with them. Um, and that adds value because, you know, some people will lie about their collection, right? Some people will, you know, there's a lot of uh, trust as well that comes into saying, oh, look, I've got this card in my collection. I've got that card. I've dealt with that card. Um, so there's no, since it's fully transparent on the blockchain, there won't be a way of, you know, telling someone you own a card or you own a, a cool collectible and lie about it because, you know, it's simply not possible. Um, so that's the beauty of it, right? Being able to prove that you own these items is a big deal as well. Um, and so we think that the social aspect is going to really take over. And that's the that's really the main goal at the end of the day is getting people involved and bringing people together um, in the collectible world and making, you know, servicing all their different uh, needs. There you go. Yeah, I'm super pumped. I think I think the collaboration with Steve is huge. I think uh, the merger uh, that you guys are talking about between like 
Web 2 and Web 3 is going to be really big. And like I said early in the call, like, you know, we know that a lot of older people are heavily into like sports card collecting and you guys could be like that anchor, that bridge, right? That, um, you know, even just gets them acquainted with crypto or shows them that um, there is value in NFTs and just like where the world is moving. So I think that this is super awesome. Uh, we we do like to open up at the end to have like audience members ask questions. Are you guys are you guys cool with that? Yeah, I'm definitely sure. sure. I'll, I'll be sticking around. Hey, if I'll, anyone uh, in the audience uh, wants to ask, just hit that request button. Yeah, while we're waiting for somebody to come up, I actually have a question. Um, you know, I can definitely see. You know, and you're already seeing it now. Like if you've used uh, Oculus, you know, you have your like home that you come into your your virtual home where you can yep. have like objects displaying and I could see digital, I could see, you know, these uh, physical collectibles, but you're going to have digital representation ownership. Do you guys have any thoughts of like partnerships or maybe even a potential in-house service of kind of coding and modeling these 3d represent like representations of these physical collectibles to where, you know, once the metaverse is really built out and people are having social gatherings and these like immersive, uh, VR experiences, you can have that kind of, uh, you know, real world physical item digitalized in your home in the metaverse, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you take a look, um, actually, at our website and part of the things that are already minted, uh, there'll be some spinning slabs um, that we've created. So we do have a pretty good, you know, team that does visual effects that make it look very cool and metaverse friendly so that's already live on the site um also i'm sure i'm sure a lot of you have seen like uh meta well facebook aka meta's uh last conference where mark uh, zuckerberg was you know talking about you know the the new world we're in um and at some point in the show you saw um something where they said nfts and collectibles uh and it was kind of like spinning right and you saw you saw different people gathering around it was like an after party or something um, so it's kind of the same concept, right? We are talking to some metaverses now that we can't necessarily uh, talk about, but um, the goal, of course, is once once the the like 3D version is created, it can be put on any metaverse, right? That's pretty much the goal. Since it's an NFT, that file can be you know moved to um, you know if it's on Meta's or one of Meta's different uh, metaverses, if it's on Mana, if it's on X Y Z. Um, that's that's the goal, of course. You know, being the the collector's metaverse and and being able to um, store these these digital collect these digital uh, collectibles and represent them in the digital world is really what our long term vision is and what we see ourselves being that that back end infrastructure for for the future of of collectibles and trading cards specifically. Yeah, that's uh, that's super interesting, and you know, I, I think there's going to be a future, and I think you really probably have you're already seeing it now. Maybe I'm just like a little late and I haven't been being involved into it yet, but um, not even from like a VR perspective, but even from like an augmented reality perspective, um, you know, I think like paintings that we had uh, or have you know on our walls now will over the next several decades become a thing of the past, and your your ownership items will be software. And it will be like a pinned canvas that is software that runs through your augmented reality glasses. And so maybe that, you know, PSA 10 Charizard that you have is actually digitalized, you know, through you guys, like as an NFT collection, and it's like framed on your wall and it's like augmented reality. Um, and then you could also, you know, of course, scale that out into like the virtual realities to where maybe you're having like a, a virtual reality event and you're hosting people at your, 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 house in, in the metaverse um and you can have that kind of pinned on the wall it's just like really a interesting future totally yeah and then like someone being able to come like you said you mentioned oculus before um someone being able to come to your oculus room for example and in the corner you got like uh you know a stash of pokemon cards right and it's like people can come and touch them and see them and right obviously you have the rights over them so they can't steal them from you but being able to physically represent them in a safe and secure manner on the blockchain and obviously um, fully, fully secure. Like I said, again, um, I think that's very, very powerful. And, and like you said, that's where the world's going. We, a lot of people see that. Um, and uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how this all pans out. Yeah. I, I am a firm believer that software is eating the world. I mean, that's, you know, it's not, you know, 
I'm not really being anything special proclaiming that, but I think like that term goes much, much further than what we really realize from now. Right. And so um, we were talking about this earlier this week on another space, but like, I think even your, your TV that you have in your house, will one day software code will eat that physical TV to where you may have a TV projected through your AR glasses on your, on your wall, in your home, but you'll actually not own a, a physical TV. That's actually way closer in reality than you think. Um, we've had some interesting conversations uh, in New York with another company that's doing a build out across from Penn Station for like, a sports themed complex of three floors. And they're envisioning a movie, an AR movie theater for concerts and sporting events where you can be at home in your VR set and have, for example, a pay-per-view match view in that room physically. So that's already coming like now, now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I love it. You know, you're, you're going from this Web 2 world um, where you, you took part by experiencing the internet by looking at a screen verse we're moving to this you know web three world where these experiences are going to be immersive and you're going to be kind of like there um as much as you can be there without physically being present you know it's almost like through your senses and you know uh almost kind of like consciousness i guess if you will it, it will be like physically present and it'll just be like this fully immersive experience um i'm excited to see like what all directions that takes For sure, it's it's a wild future. It's a very wild future. Right, we're all here for the ride. It's going to be exciting. Indeed. Uh, last call. Last call, guys. I'll give you give you a few more seconds if you want to request and speak. Otherwise, I'm gonna call it here. I guess we. Uh, I'll take. If no one's gonna join. I'll take some time to add a few things. Um, another thing being, like for example, we want to be like the digital. Oh, not the digital. We want to be the card infrastructure for Web 3.0. Um, and and doing that is leveraging this kind of technology. Um, and and people will think you know that they have to stick to our platform, for example, to trade cards. But that's not the case, right? Once. Once we create a, 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 an NFT that has a legal um, representation of a physically backed item, that NFT can then go ahead and be sold anywhere on any NFT marketplace, right? Um, we're not limiting people to sticking to our platform. Um, and that's, gonna, that's really the beauty of it, right? Um, so people might even be trading um, diggable, diggable backed cards or, or um, secured or digi-safe cards without even knowing that they're doing so. Um, and, and another thing to add is, you know, obviously the hype with NFTs right now is all JPEGs and, and crazy things and, and things that obviously might have utility. But the majority of the NFT space right now is, you know, things that aren't really going anywhere. Right. You got maybe 0.5 percent of the market or 1 percent of the market that actually has value. Um, and so to add to that, we think and in a, part, a big vision that I have personally is that the NFT space is going to be consumed I think 25% of the NFT space or even 40% of the NFT space is going to be consumed by physically backed items in the next, you know, five years and even maybe less than that. Um, just because, you know, I think getting people into this NFT sp space was part of the hype that we saw in the last year. Um, and, and that's been through hype and JPEGs and, and other things. Um, and the, you know, the next step, in my opinion, is going to be how can we use NFTs with the real world, right? So how's the real world going to consume the NFT space. And we think a large part of that, of course, is going to be collectibles. So that's part of why we, we decided to go all in on this vision and hop on this. Um, so just wanted to add that. Keep your, get your mind, mind rolling on the vision. Let's go. Yeah, this is dope. This is definitely a project that I'm going to be like looking at, staying, staying up to date. Um, I think you guys are doing a lot of interesting elements um that we haven't really seen from other nft projects that we've brought on the space so um love everything that you guys are doing uh chase super you guys have any other like closing thoughts yeah just wanted to thank you guys for coming on unfed we've been following each other for a minute i feel like um and it's super exciting seeing you build something in in the space man so congratulations on that and i i personally am here to support it i'm sure the team is as well 
And uh, we'll definitely have to have you on down the line as well. Cheers, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I saw that we've been following each other for some time and I've been following Crypto Mewtwo for some time as well. And so it just felt really the right kind of thing to do and reach out. And um, the, also the fact that, you know, you guys got a lot of Link Marines uh, following you guys. And so we're using Link and we thought there would be some good synergy on that front. Um, and of course, if anyone in the audience has any questions, feel free to reach out. I'm always here to um, ask, answer anything you guys may have. And yeah, thanks for having us. Really, it's been great. Thanks, guys. Of course. And right before Chase, um, everyone in the audience, if you haven't filled out that form above, go ahead and fill that out to uh, get their DigiCube, their NFT. Uh, just go ahead and fill that out. Yeah, and make sure you have the Matic network um, added to your wallet. And of course, if you don't see the NFT within a couple of days, what you should do is go on PolyScan, right? Put in your address, um, and then you you should be able to see the transaction, right? Because on MetaMask or whatever. Uh, wallet you use you don't necessarily always see the nft so you might have to manually import it so you just got to import the the uh, id of the nft and the uh the contract code um so that's for the people who aren't necessarily familiar with that i think we uh i think we actually have a straggler who wants to ask a question hold on a sec awesome little mo what up little mo what up mo what's up mo Hey, he was flagging us down. That's fine with the emojis and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mo, your mic is muted. Uh, Mo, if you need a space, is in the bottom left of your phone. That'll be like the <laughs> microphone. You could unmute. I don't think I can <laughs> unmute him manually. Oh, can you hear me? Uh, yeah. There you go. Now we got you. That? I have no idea. I don't know how to use this. This is my first time. But uh, how you guys doing? <laughs> Doing well, brother. All right, all good, right. Good. So um, I was wondering, when will uh, there be, like, card marketing, like, getting involved with influencers, like, bigger, like, um, card uh, card collectors and all? That was, like, kind of, um, like, you know, main question. Yeah, good question. Um, like we said before, we, we won't we, we won't announce, like, big partnerships and, and promotions that we'll be doing uh, ahead of time. It doesn't really make sense, right? Um, we'll do it when the time is right. Um, obviously, right now, there's not a huge amount of card volume on our platform. And so it would be weird to invest uh, a crazy amount of money in marketing um, when we don't have, you know, thousands and thousands of physically backed trading cards to purchase on the on the platform. So um, rest assured, um, you know, we got the marketing team for it. We've got the connections for it. Um, and when the time's right, when there's a lot of good amount of card volume and, and when when the time feels right, um, we're definitely going to inject what we feel is right and necessary um, into marketing and already we've done so right we've got a really cool um, partner on board Steve Aoki and that's going to be really good credibility for us when we want to go and reach out to other uh, large card enthusiasts and, and famous card enthusiasts um, and, and, and influencers and whatnot and so we definitely have the plan and um, I guess just stay tuned is really all I can say uh, for now. For sure man sounds good uh, hopefully this goes uh, this gets really successful you know for all of us. Let's go. Thanks for coming on, Mo. Yeah, no problem. All right, guys. Any, uh, we'll, cl we'll close it out here. I don't see any other uh, requests. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, hope I could come on here another time, maybe one day. And uh, really appreciate you guys being welcoming and having us on here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks for coming on. Stay Bye, based. guys. Stay, Stay based, based guys. Peace Take out. Care. Peace.